Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Karma is the law of cause and effect. It's in no way esoteric as the Bible has it, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Or in plain English, what we plant, we harvest. There's no trick here, except a good one. Figuring out how to live an ethical life, a moral life, is a lot clearer if we subscribed to the law of karma. In the interest of not burying the lead, let me share with you the insight that converted me to paying attention to the law of karma. Filmmaker Barbara Center was living with life-threatening lymphoma. And the question that arose from her cancer support group, she says, was not, why is this happening to me? The question was, get ready for it, why is this happening for me? Why is this happening for me? We may not like it, but it's a transformational way of framing our experience to say, I am not a victim, I am a survivor. Every challenge is an opportunity to ripen spiritually, to learn and grow. The law of karma grew out of Indian religion and philosophy. In India, it's paired with a belief in, in rebirth into many lifetimes in which we experience the effects of what we have done with what we've been given. To its adherence, karma serves as the major motivation to live a moral life and as the primary explanation of the existence of evil. In Christianity, to sin is to miss the mark, often viewed as deliberate disobedience to God. Many religious traditions, actually notably the Abrahamic religions that emerged in the Middle East, so Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, place a reward and punishment for human actions in the hands of a divine judge. The classical traditions of India, though, that's Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, view karma as operating according to an autonomous causal law. In other words, no external agent or divine will intervenes. So there's no such thing, they say, as good luck or bad luck. It's all just the fruition of our actions, karma, making for spiritual accountability. So I'm with the Indian traditions on this one. <laughs> I see no need to drag an angry, vengeful God into the mix. This one's on us. The place I depart from the Indian philosophy is their surety about it all being worked out for better or worse in future lifetimes. While the idea of people doing evil deeds and being forced to pay 
pay in kind is kind of fabulous. Um, I'm content in good Unitarian Universalist fashion with focusing on this lifetime. Do you know that great uh, quotation from our Unitarian forebearer, Henry David Thoreau? He, uh, as he lay dying from tuberculosis at age 44, he was visited by his friend, Parker Pillsbury, and Parker Pillsbury was super curious about the afterlife. He asked Henry what he saw of the opposite shore of the River Styx, and Thoreau famously responded, one world at a time, Parker. One world at a time. So this is karma for you use, whether or not karma is real. It can inspire us to live a more authentic, compassionate life, attending to what we're planting and what we choose to do with the harvest. Not, why is this happening to me? But why is this happening for me? So let's dig a little deeper into karma for you use, choosing to act as if what we do makes a difference. If we're willing to entertain the idea that life on earth is life in soul school, we're here to grow a soul, then karma is the opportunity to progress through the lessons that life proffers. Author Judith Johnson writes, we may find ourselves presented with the same lesson again and again until we gain its wisdom and value. Karma is not about retribution or reward, but an opportunity to make different choices, the opportunity for healing. It is a balancing act that offers chances to learn important spiritual lessons. So again, here's where karma for you use departs from its Indian origins. I want to land hard on my absolute horror at the idea that any good people deserve bad fortune. When I was a young minister, a five-year-old in my Sunday school was run over by her school bus. And my theology was utterly inadequate to that tragedy. Rabbi Har Harold Kushner saved me with his book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Rabbi Kushner's God would never have allowed such a thing to happen. Bad things, he says, just happen. And when they happen, it's up to us to embody the divine and rush in to help. Where karma comes in is in what we do with what we are given. There's this very famous passage from Elie Wiesel's Holocaust memoir, Night, in which in the spring of 1944, death camp prisoners of the Holocaust are forced to witness a hanging. And one prisoner beseeches, where is merciful God? And the response comes, where is he? This is where, hanging here from this gallows. God, he is saying, did not create this monstrosity. God is here suffering with the one who suffers. As I choose to understand it, karma doesn't explain the tragedy. 
It explains our response to the tragedy. You've heard me speak about Peter, a young man in our congregation in Brewster who drove his truck off the road and into a tree in an alcoholic blackout. His wife, riding in the passenger seat, died instantly. And when Peter sobered up, he wanted to die too. And it might have gone either way, actually, but in jail, drowning in grief and guilt, he attended every 12-step meeting, praying to be relieved of his suffering and wondering what God had saved him for. When he got out, having learned that the only way to stay sober is to help someone else stay sober, Peter began to look for opportunities to serve. He never missed an AA meeting, never said no to someone asking for help. And every single thing he did was done, and it is done to this day, in his wife's name, to honor her memory. Let's cheer up and talk about instant karma. One of the classical understandings of karma is that it is unpredictable. We never know when it's payback time. So we choose to act as if the law of karma is at work in the world and adopt a kind of wild patience waiting for karma to ripen. Sometimes we don't have to wait long. Here are two of my favorite instant karma stories. This is from a Reddit user named Adolf Manson. One day, I paid for two, I'm sorry, I paid for one, but I took two papers because I was sick of coworkers rifling through my paper. And as I started to walk off with both newspapers, I realized that my shirt tail had gotten caught in the newspaper box when it slammed shut. So I had to put in another quarter to get my shirt out. <laughs> Instant karma. Yeah. And on a more serious note, um, this is just spectacular. As they drove down the interstate in western Wisconsin, Sarah Berg and her cousin Lisa Meyer suddenly heard an awful noise and pulled onto the side of the road. It was a flat tire and neither of them had a clue how to fix it. They called Lisa's husband, who was on his way, when Winnipeg natives, Anne and Victor Giesbrecht, stopped their pickup truck and Victor hopped out to see if he could help. It was kind of scary, says Lisa, because nowadays you really don't know what you're getting into. But Victor is the kind of person who always wants to help a stranded motorist and says he's the type of person who gives you 100% and worries about himself later. He changed the tire and Lisa thanked him as they shook hands. Someone up above put me in the right place at the right time, Victor said. Everyone got back on the road but less than a quarter of a mile later, they saw the Giesbeck's car pulled over, and Sarah and Lisa pulled off. Anne was waving to them, frantic. Victor had collapsed. I think he's having a heart attack, she said. Sarah, a certified nursing assistant, jumped into the truck. Victor had no pulse and wasn't breathing. Sarah began chest compressions while Lisa called 911. State Trooper Kate Sampson arrived with a seemingly interminable five minutes. 
joining Sarah in trying to save Victor's life. And just then, Lisa's husband drove up and took over for Sarah. Two deputy sheriffs arrived with an AED, and they began delivering shocks to Victor's heart. The survival rate for someone who suffers cardiac arrest outside a hospital is just over 10%. Victor survived and lived to tell this story. We can go over and over the coincidences, the different people and their gifts that had to line up just right to fix a flat and save a life. Or we can say simply, it was karma. To bring us home, here's a story of karma from my life that still makes my head spin. It's about my friend Richard. Years ago, he applied to be a big brother. He's always loved kids. And he was paired with Don, a young teenager who'd landed in a DYS group home. Richard adored him immediately. They did all the usual big brother things and then some. Richard changed his work schedule so he could go to every one of Don's sports games, all three school seasons plus summertime. He took him to an antique car show in California and to Fenway for a big Sox-Yankees game. And after late night events, Don would spend the night tucked into Richard's guest room. And Richard would lie awake thinking, I think I could do this dad thing. So you know where this is going. Like so many beautifully failed big brother, little brother pairings before them, Richard and Don became father and son, and it was very sweet. They were just two peas in a pod. Don's mom had been young and single when he was born and hadn't been in the picture much. Don had landed with DYS when his maternal grandmother had grown unable to care for him. So perhaps now that he had a dad, Don was increasingly curious about who his biological father was. He knew his parents had been very young, that his mother's family had moved away before his father even knew she was pregnant. His father didn't even know he existed. His grandmother knew the details, but somehow the subject was off limits. And Richard encouraged him to visit her and just ask. But Don balked and Richard didn't push it. And then one day Don asked if they could for go for a walk on the beach near their home and he was unusually silent. And suddenly he surprised Richard by saying, I called Nana and asked her. Richard stopped and turned to look at his son, who also stopped and stood and faced him. I found out who my dad is, Don said. And before Richard could say anything, Don said, you are. Richard hugged him and said, of course I am. And Don said, no, Dad, I mean it. You're my father. And it all came back to Richard all those years ago, the girl next door, the casual summer romance, and that strange, sudden disappearance of her and her family. Richard had adopted his own son. Beloved spiritual companions, maybe coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. 
Maybe divine intervention has nothing to do with any of this. And the world is turning powered by the law of karma. It's not ours to know. But I want to invite us to imagine asking, not why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? What do we do with what we are given? Each challenge is an opportunity for spiritual growth. May we choose to act as if what we do makes a difference, to live as if we will harvest what we plant. May we adopt a wild patience and choose to believe it matters that we are kind and generous. Welcome to Soul School. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.